Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Ball with Eric Ellis. I am Eric Ellis, and it's good to have you with us on Milestone episode number 20, as we will be joined in just a second by the Lumber Kings everyday center fielder, Cameron Meisner, part of the Lumber Kings' most recent run of success, as we record this on the final off day of the 2019 regular season, August the 13th, on a current four-game winning streak, the streakiness of the Lumber Kings continues. Over their last 20 games, this is how the Lumber Kings have gone. They had seen a four-game losing streak from July 24th through the 27th. They then won five straight from July 28th through August 1st. Then came their longest losing streak of the season, seven straight losses from August 2nd through August 9th before their current run of success, four straight wins going back to August the 9th. The Lumber Kings coming off a three-game series sweep of the Peoria Chiefs in which they had swept Peoria at Dozer Park in a three-game set for the first time since 2011. The way it has worked now for the Lumber Kings is they have won 11 straight games against the Chiefs. They're the single-A affiliate of the St. Louis Cardinals. It is their longest franchise winning streak against Peoria in franchise history. They've been playing them since 1983 as the Lumber Kings had last lost against Peoria all the way back on June the 11th at Nelson Corp Field in Clinton. And they will play Peoria one more time this season. In fact, it'll be their final three games in the 2019 season over Labor Day weekend, August the 31st through September the 2nd. I guess a good opponent to have for the Lumber Kings who right now are seen with their current run of success themselves creep back into a division race with the Kane County Cougars. They've seen a lead grow in the wild card standings as it sits right now on August the 13th. The Lumber Kings are currently four games back in sole possession of second place in the second half standings in the Midwest League. They trail the Kane County Cougars, the single-A affiliate of the Arizona Diamondbacks by four games, and they currently have got a three-game lead on the wild card ahead of the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, the single-A affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers, as they currently sit in fifth place in the Midwest League. Now, the Lumber Kings will meet these two teams once more this season. The first will be a very important series that will likely decide the division starting on Saturday, August the 17th, for a four-game series that will then end on Tuesday, August the 20th. And then the Lumber Kings, not even a week later, will meet the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers in Clinton at Nelson Court Field, their final meetings in 2019, which we could see someone clinch that wild card spot. It'll run from Saturday, August the 24th through Tuesday, August the 27th. Following that, the Lumber Kings will have only six games left in the 2019 regular season. So we are on the home stretch right now, and the Lumber Kings can say that they have the hottest hitter in the Midwest League because it has been recognized as such. Peyton Burdick, the reigning Midwest League Player of the Week. We had talked with him on the podcast side of things just a couple of weeks ago. Burdick has been very fun to watch ever since he got here in the second half. But over the last week, it's been even more fun. This has been the batting average for Burdick over his last seven games. To win the award for Midwest League Player of the Week, a 394 average. He had a 429 on-base percentage, a 7 58 slugging percentage, a seven-game stretch that included six doubles, two home runs, 12 RBIs, five runs scored, and a walk. Burdick becoming the second 
Clinton Lumberking in 2019 to win the Midwest League Player of the Week award. The other one is a guy who's not even in the Marlins organization right now in Chris Valamon, traded over to the Minnesota Twins. He had won the Midwest League Pitcher of the Week award back in the month of May. Peyton Burdick, after that announcement had been made, just before the Lumber Kings were set to take on the Peoria Chiefs for a 12.05 start time. Very rare day game on a Monday out in downtown Peoria, Illinois. Well, the game then started just mere minutes after we had found out he had won the Player of the Week award and he gone, had gone two for three against Peoria. And the Lumber Kings, very impressive 7 to nothing shutout win against the Chiefs on August the 12th. He hit two home runs, of course had two runs scored, had a career-high six RBIs. And the home runs were no cheapies. The first one, really a streak of lightning out of Dozier Park in Peoria, estimated to have left the bat at 103 miles per hour. It had an estimated distance traveled of 356 feet. He then came up two innings later, top of the third, hit an even further home run. If you ever get a chance to go out to Dozier Park, you'll see a berm in left field. It went above the berm. It has then got a walkway on top of it, really went over the walkway and into a picnic garden area for Burdick's second home run of the day, estimated to have left the bat at 107 miles per hour, 434 feet. It's estimated distance traveled. Burdick now has eight home runs on this season, and I think it's safe to say he is the leader in the clubhouse right now for winning this next week's Midwest League Player of the Week award. He's already got the home run total that he had from a week ago. Burdick is swinging a red-hot bat, as is our guest, Cameron Meisner had the three hits for the Lumber Kings in their win on Sunday night. It was part of a season-high 19-hit attack for the Clinton Lumber Kings in one of their four straight wins that they've currently had. Cameron Meiser joins us next on A-Ball with Eric Ellis. And welcome back on A-Ball with Eric Ghost. We're now joined by one of the newest Lumber Kings, Cameron Meisner, the 35th overall pick in this year's draft taken by the Miami Marlins. Thanks for coming on the podcast side of things. No, I appreciate you having me. Well, we should say we're recording this as the rain falls down after a very impressive win for the Lumber Kings in Peoria, Illinois, on August the 11th. This will be coming out on Wednesday, so just a few days from now. The Lumber Kings setting a season high for hits in this game on a, a rare Sunday night game. Did it feel like it was the game of the week in the Midwest League, like ESPN might have been picking this one up? Yeah, I mean, it. I don't know why. But I guess they're all starting to kind of run together the days. <laughs> so well, I guess that's a good way to start, right? Just the, the grind that you get thrown right into. I imagine it's been a whirlwind, right, for the first couple of weeks of your professional career. But, you know, you started the season as an amateur baseball player, and now you're in the professional ranks. You're getting thrown into a, a very competitive team in the second half in the Midwest League. Do you feel that grind a little bit, too, as we're coming to the end of a 21-game stretch of no off days? Uh, you know, it's really, it's really not too bad. You know, they, uh, you know, you are playing every day. It's a little bit of change, but you know, the, the staff and the, and the players are easy to get along with and, you know, they kind of fit you right into things pretty fast. So, so for the most part, it hadn't been too bad. Well, let's go over the start to the professional career, right? You get taken 35th overall by the, uh, by the Miami Marlins. That's how your career begins. You start out in the GCO. We hear about early wake-up times out there because they don't have the lights. <laughs> they just play during the day. Yeah. And then you get promoted. So what just, if you could put into words, have the uh, last, I don't know, month, month and a half been like for you? Oh, uh, it's actually been kind of fast. It, uh, 
you know, it all started, got drafted, and then, then I went down to, to Jupiter and, and hung out for a few days and just kind of worked out and did a few things. And then, and then I got started playing in the GCL, played for played for a few weeks and, uh, you know, really didn't feel that long. And then they said, uh, you know, I got called up here and, and, you know, I was on a flight that morning and I played here that afternoon. And, uh, you know, it just it all happened really fast. And, you know, now I'm here and settled in and, and it feels good. Well, we should say Cameron's being very modest because when he got here, he didn't just play. He had a home run, and then it, I think it was the next day was the decisive home run in the ninth inning. As we were joking on the broadcast, a great way to make friends early on. And we we're picking your brain on this because the thing you'll notice if you ever hang around the Lumber Kings in 2019 is a pretty tight knit uh, bunch. Right. Keep things loose, a lot of fun. I imagine they were pretty easy to to mesh right in right when you got here. Oh yeah, as soon as I got here, it was almost you know it was almost like the guys I left. Like it just. You know, there was, it was no problem fitting in and, you know, a bunch of great guys. And, you know, like I said, a great staff. It's just, you know, there's no complaints. Have you felt, because you've played, it's kind of interesting to think about, at different levels in this uh, this season, beginning in the amateur ranks, then you go into the pro ranks, you play in the GCL or complex baseball, so I guess rookie ball, and then you get to uh, high A, or not high A, but full season A ball, just below high A. So that's three different levels that you've played at. Have you noticed the, the competition, the talent levels that have changed at each stop along the way? I know GCL is kind of a limited sample size, right. but have you noticed any things like that? Oh, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, like I said, you play every day, so it's, there's no, you can't really take anything off. You know, every at-bat, uh, you know, the guy on the mound, he's good too, so he's coming at you. So you really just, you know, you got to be locked in every every pitch, every at-bat. It uh, kind of sounds cliche, but... You know, really, it, uh, it'll take a toll on you if you're not. It'll catch up to you quick. So, Yeah, we saw you uh, with those couple of home runs to begin your time with the Lumber Kings out in Wisconsin, which were big wins because those are the, the team the Lumber Kings are competing with for the wild card in the Western Division in the second half. And then you go down the road, you, or you come back home with the Lumber Kings at Nelson Court Field. They go down into uh, to Quad Cities. And so you've had that taste now of road and home with the Lumber Kings over just a, a handful of games. But the team, just as a, a broader sense, a pretty talented bunch. You're kind of thrown in right from uh, taking the spot of Connor Scott, who was a first-round pick for the Marlins in last year's draft. Where How have you seen the talent that has accrued here in Clinton? Because on a night like tonight, I mean, there were 19 hits and 10 runs. Right. It's very easy to see and point to all the talent that's on this field. Is that something that you noticed early on, too, the team you're playing with here? Right. Every, you know, I'm staying in center field and every pitch that comes out of the pen or even starts you know they fill it up and you know they get everybody out and you don't have to do much in the field and it turns around on offensively you know the guy in front of me gets a hit and I don't get a hit or something the guy behind me gets a hit so like man I gotta pick it up (laughs) (laughs) well it's a great thing you always talk about picking up teammates and you've been able to do that a couple of times wanted to talk about your uh your college days because the University of Missouri is so interesting because baseball fans are now starting to realize that this is becoming a baseball powerhouse, so to speak, that's been you know going on for, I guess, a couple of decades now. But you know it's interesting. You can go back to Ian Kinsler, who was a Lumber King right. not too long ago and is now in the major league ranks, of course, with the San Diego Padres. What kind of program was it like to be a part of? I mean, you're a Missouri native, too. You grew up as a fan, so that must have been a dream yeah, come true as well. I did. I, did. I grew up uh, in southeast Missouri. Um, you know, I, I was always a Mizzou fan. Everybody, a Mizzou football fan, everything. Everybody around, you know, all my friends and family, they were all Mizzou fans. So, yeah, uh, kind of grew up a Mizzou fan. Had the opportunity uh, to go there. I went there, and you know, it. You know, Coach Beezer and his staff. It was his first year. It was my first year. You know, everything clicked, and they do a really good job. You know, playing the SEC, it's tough. It, you know, there's there's nothing you do that doesn't get you ready for the for the next level. And uh, you know, I can't the staff. I mean the. Coach Beasley and his staff and the the guys he recruits, you know, you, 
y'all get along. There's no, there's no, there's nobody he recruits that you know doesn't get along with everybody. So everybody, it's kind of like a, I don't know, like a family atmosphere, you could say. And you know, it's just fun. It's fun being there. You you enjoy going to the field, and you know, he really, really turned things around there. And when you went to, because you came out of Poplar Bluff, and then you go into the University of Missouri, were you thinking professional baseball as a, a career, even coming out of high school right into college, going to a top program like that? I mean, and you know, getting there, you're you're just a little freshman, but uh, you know, as I started playing, I really, you know, obviously it was my my goal, my you know, the dream to play in the professional baseball, but but you don't ever really know that for sure. You know, anything can happen, so. Uh, you know, academic, academically, Beezer, our head coach, he takes that really seriously. So you don't miss class. You know, you do all that. But uh, in the back of my head, I, you know, I really wanted to play professional baseball. So you know, anything, any way I could get there, I was going to do it. Was there a point then when your the coach pulled you aside and told you maybe you know to to look at it this way? And was there more uh, hands on, I guess, so to speak, to get you ready for the professional ranks that you're now in right now? Uh, I mean, really, the SEC, it's it's about as top notch as you can get, in my opinion. They're you know, every on the weekend, your Friday, Saturday, Sunday guy. You know, you're seeing just about every one of them out here throwing now. Uh, you know, going into the weekend, they they prepare you. I mean, it's it's crazy all the stuff they do. That all the stuff you know, you know what they're going to throw in different counts. I mean, it's it's unreal the videos they have and you know the the work that the coaches and stuff put in to get you ready to go out there in the field. It's you know it's pretty cool. It's it's something that definitely prepares you for the next level. So as we said, you came out of Poplar Bluff, and we talked about this with you, I think, on the pregame show when we were out in Wisconsin for the first time. And you said that was a, a big baseball uh, area, right? Baseball is kind of reigning king, or, or so to speak. Were there other sports that you were playing though growing up? So uh, I played football through my uh, through my my junior year of high school. I didn't play my senior year. I ended up playing soccer. Just I don't know why. I just played soccer to stay in shape. <laughs> but uh, you know, always... so not very good at soccer then. Is that right? Uh, I was all right. Okay. I didn't really have the skills, but I could score goals. Because so. that's what I would say if I wasn't good at it. Oh, it was just boring. You know? Forget about it. <laughs> no, I could I could score goals. I could kick it. I couldn't dribble it very good. Though. Okay. I couldn't run and dribble at the same time. But uh, no, I always loved basketball. I didn't I didn't play it in high school because of baseball. So really, I just I focused a lot on baseball, just being as good as I could at that. At what part did your uh, parents, your family have to play in this? Were there baseball genes that could go back that uh, were able to teach you, I guess, the finer points growing up? Uh, yeah, my my dad, and there's not many baseball genes, I'd say. There's a lot of football genes. Okay. You know, my dad, my grandpa, my uncles, my, my brother, you know, they all played college football. But, uh, you know, football, I just, I wasn't near as good at football as they were. I played a whole different position, and, you know, I was always better at baseball, and, you know, my dad and, and my coaches and everybody growing up, they always they always learned a lot. They learned a lot so they could teach me and get me ready because they knew I liked baseball. So, you know, they did pretty much everything they could, and, you know, they still do. And, you know, I'm really appreciative of that. And, it, uh, you know, I have no complaints there either. So your mom must have been pretty happy, right, when you mom, went yeah went was, away from the softball. football ranks? She okay. played softball. She was pretty good. Okay, so maybe that's where it comes from yeah. then <laughs> as we try to track it down. We're talking here with Cameron Meisner, one of the Lumber Kings outfielders too, uh, taken 35th overall in the competitive balancing round of the 2019 draft by the Miami Marlins into a, a playoff run right away. Does that help at all with just, I mean, the minor leagues you're here to develop, right? That's probably the first thing they tell you and, of course, the first goal, but – 
it's got to be kind of fun when you come to games and they matter so much. It's right. late in August. You know, these guys have been through the grind at the beginning of the season, and now you get to be thrown into these games that mean so much on a day-to-day basis. Does that help the focus at all? Yeah, it just, I mean, it kind of takes away from the whole grind part of having to show up to the field every day. You know, you, you get to the field and you know, you're playing for something, and it, it's a whole lot easier to play for something than just play for, you know, your numbers or whatever you're playing for. When you're playing for, you know, with a team to go somewhere, it's – everything works out in your favor, tends to. Well, we were noticing when we first saw you again, it was out in Wisconsin at Neuroscience Group Field against the Tim Rattlers, or the single-A affiliate for the Milwaukee Brewers, a pretty good defensive center fielder. So it was interesting to hear from you where you put the, the focus on defense. I think Willie Mays, I was reading his biography once, he was saying that his dad would tell him that sometimes defending or saving a run defensively might mean more than the run he created offensively, so he put so much emphasis on it. Where did you fit in as far as the defense you know, and the importance that you place on that as a part of your game yeah that's something that's something I learned you know my freshman year of college I actually played left field every game in my my in my freshman year of college and coach Beezer was huge on on defense you know there's days it was just strictly defense there's nothing else you didn't pick up a bat it seemed like but uh you know he was big on defense and and pitching and and I believe in it too there's a there's a lot of things you can do on defense that saves games and uh you know defense goes a long ways and you know sometimes offense just you can't hit the ball it's hard to hit the ball Sometimes you just can't do it, and uh, you know defense is what will help you out in the long run. It's interesting to think about, and I think we talked about this with Mike Jacobs when uh, the weather was starting to warm up a little bit and the Lumber Kings were starting to be a little bit better defensively because the hands weren't so right. cold because it's, I mean, you know this, it's 30 <laughs> degrees in the Midwest around the, in, in April. And so what he was mentioning, too, on the defensive side of things is, you know, guys can go through slumps just as you would at the plate, and, you know, that is something that maybe players don't think of too much, right, a slide defensively because you don't hear about it talked that way. But right. is it something that you feel like you might sometimes get into a funk and if so how do you get out of that defensively uh you can just you can about get in a funk in just about anything on the <laughs> baseball field <laughs> you can you know as soon as you start thinking about something you're doing you're pretty much done for it uh you just gotta have uh, you know have that confidence that you can do it and, you know you put the work in and and it'll all pay off you start doing something wrong you know the only thing you can do is put the work in you know you'll figure it out but uh you know as soon as your brain starts clicking you know getting a slump hit and you're thinking about stuff that's probably not even happening so you just got to turn around and, you know, have confidence in yourself. And Well, it sounds exactly like I remember hearing that story from Mickey Mantle when he had the All-Star game with Ted Williams, and Williams would come up to him and he'd ask him, like, how do you hit on these certain pitches? Do you back off a little on the plate? Do you choke up a little bit? And Mickey Mantle was like, hey, guy, I just swing the bat and hit the <laughs> ball. And he said he'd come out of the All-Star game with a two-week-long slump because yeah. he was thinking about all the things Ted was telling him about on the bench. That's and funny. that's part of the grind, too, of baseball, too, of just staying mentally. And I guess why you hear about so many superstitions in the right. uh, baseball ranks. Do you, do you have any of those by chance? Uh, I don't think so. I do. I rise and, I rise and bag my bat before I, before I step out on deck. That, that's about the only one I think I have. Well, it's a good one because I guess it has some practicality yeah. to it, right, for a, for a better grip on the <laughs> bat. He's not sacrificing live chickens or anything like that, which I'm sure the uh, clubbies appreciate. Again, talking here with Cameron Meisner, one of the Lumber Kings outfielders, who, as we mentioned, recording this on August the 11th after a 19-hit performance. And I guess you are a good guy to ask because you were in the middle of the offense that we had seen on August the 11th with a three-hit performance. So is hitting contagious? Because it looked like it was today. Oh, I mean, there's you know, there's days like today where it's contagious, and then there's days, you know, that there can be completely the opposite. But uh, you know, hitting is a hitting is a fun thing to do when when you're when you're doing good at it, and uh, 
you know, our whole team was doing really good at tonight and, you know, it just seems like there was one barrel after another and it just kind of, it was like it was contagious. It was, you know, everybody's putting some pretty good at bats together and they're really finding the ball and hitting it and, uh, you know, it just worked out good. And also, too, to just get your uh, uh, your thoughts on the speed side of things because, I mean, we should mention this, too, because it's a an audio medium. People don't see the visual. We're talking with a tall center fielder. Meisner is four, but you, you run pretty well, and you've picked your spots pretty well. I think five stolen bases out of five attempts. So where does the, uh, the speed come in for you? Because I think sometimes early on it's looked like some pitchers have sort of slept on you over right. at first base, and then the next thing you know, you're at second. Yeah, that uh, you know, that's another thing I got good at in college was stealing bases. You know, when, when a lot of pitchers look over there, they don't think I'm going to run. Then I run, and uh, you know, I had good, uh, good base running coaches and stuff in uh, in college, and they they taught me all the calculations and all that weird stuff like that. But uh, you know, they they just you know, I've had a lot of good coaches in the past, and a lot of a lot of a lot of guys just I guess kind of teach me a lot of a lot of cool stuff and I've able to you know soaked it in and and been able to perform it and uh but yeah definitely when pitchers sometimes pitchers look over there and they they don't expect me running so then I just steal it <laughs> so what goes into a stolen base because I mean the A's in the 70s famously hired a track star because they say well he'll steal a lot of bases he's fast he didn't steal any. He wasn't very good at it. Yeah. So you have to learn how to do it. I think Ricky Henderson has talked about that too, you know, learning to get those reads. So what goes into the art of a base thief? You're going you're gonna, to gonna tell my secrets. Okay. Well, no, if you, <laughs> I didn't uh, know I was talking state secrets. No, but <laughs> if, I mean, there's just there's a, there's like a whole mathematical side behind it. If, uh, you know, if the pitcher, if you're to the 12-foot mark, as fast as I can run from – my my time on a stopwatch from first base to second base, I, I don't know what it is, but my if I like my stopwatch time, if I get to the twelve foot mark before he lets go of the ball, I'm a safe like hundred percent of the time. Like it doesn't matter. Like you don't I don't steal off the catcher, I just steal off the pitcher. If that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense yeah. because I uh, I mean we've talked about it I guess on the more of the catching side of things with Will Banfield and the arm that he has behind the plate, but I guess you do hear about that from the pitchers, right, and the slide steps that you have right. to contend with. So you're trying to get to a 12-foot mark, and then at that point you kind of know whether you're going to make it or not, right. which is interesting because you know, as a fan, I think the first thing we think about is stolen base. Well, he's fast. Of course he's going to be yeah. safe because that's just how it works, but not the case, as is usually the case for baseball, a little bit more nuance to it. And we didn't ask you about your draft experience and what that was like for you when you had found out. I mean, you're taken very early, I'm sure, you know, a great moment for not right. just you, the friends, the family and really the entire Mizzou program right to be taken that high yeah I was with uh, I was actually at home when it happened I was with you know some a few friends and you know my family I got a big family so we were all hanging out and it and it happened actually we watched the whole draft on the tv and then right before I was picked our wi-fi or something shut off so it didn't even see it on tv and actually I had so a guy called me say hey congratulations I was like are you kidding me I didn't even see it this is a prank yeah <laughs> so I watched the whole draft up until my pick and I completely we didn't. I just didn't see it because the Wi-Fi shut off and the computer shut off, and it's a big ordeal. That's a great draft story, though, to have. I know. You know, I, I guess uh, you know a little suspense, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, you've been drafted. Oh yeah, prove it. <laughs> I saw all like I saw like the first thirty-three picks or something like that, and then didn't see mine. So th- thirty-three, it went out, and then the thirty-fifth, you were taken. So it's an interesting way to begin <laughs> the uh, professional career. And now you get assigned to Clinton, which is interesting because you've got some Clinton roots, I guess, so to speak, just with a teammate that you had out in Mizzou. If you could tell us about that, would be great. Yeah, TJ, uh, TJ. Sycamore he was our you know he was our best pitcher at Mizzou and uh 
he got I got to be pretty good friends with him and my parents got to be pretty good friends with uh his parents and he's they're all from right there in Iowa and so uh I think he was born in Clinton and now he's in DeWitt but his grandma is in right there in Fulton right on the other side of the bridge and uh you know it's perfect I'm living there and and you can't beat it. It's not too often when the stars align like that. That must have just been kind of surreal, right? Awesome, uh, yeah. Man. So that is, uh, I guess, we explain the uh, the housing situation for Cameron Meisner <laughs> with the uh, Clint Lumber Kings. Well, we appreciate you taking the time, but before we let you go, we wanted to ask you about the lighthearted side of things. When you are able to ever indulge a, a hobby, a, a pastime that you might have, we know baseball season doesn't really leave a whole lot for you know vacations and concert going, but you know maybe in the off season, what are some of the things that you like to do away from the game of baseball? Uh, no, I'm a big, a big outdoors guy. I kind of, I grew up on a farm for the most part. You know, I helped my grandparents work on the farm and, you know, they have a, a real nice place and I love hunting. I love hunting and, you know, pretty much been off season hunting and outdoor stuff pretty much. <laughs> We've got a lot of hunters on this yeah. team. Are you guys ever thinking about maybe getting a group together or something? It- Right? One day, hopefully. One day. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense because we've heard Tyler Kolick, Connor Scott earlier, Cameron Meisner. I think we, we might have a, a duck hunting session coming yeah. up soon or deer, or I guess for uh, Tyler Kolick, it was feral pigs is what he was telling him. Well, Cameron Meisner, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us here on A-Ball. We greatly appreciate it. No, thank you. Welcome back on A-Ball with Eric Ose. You just heard from the Lumber Kings, really everyday center fielder and Cameron Meisner. We appreciate him taking some time to talk with us after a very impressive win for the Lumber Kings on a Sunday night against the Peoria Chiefs. A season-high 19 hits. Cameron Meisner, he had three of those. Just one of the many bright spots for the Lumber Kings offensively. So we touched on at the beginning, a very streaky team. Although right now, the Lumber Kings on the good side of that streakiness. And we do want to pass along one roster move the Lumber Kings have had before the series in Peoria had started against the Chiefs. And that is that Lumber Kings are now playing a man down as we keep you abreast of all the roster moves. The Lumber Kings make in the 2019 season the only returner from the 2018 team, which is kind of odd to think about because the Lumber Kings had switched affiliation. Zach Scott, who was a prospect for the Seattle Mariners last season, now in the Miami Marlins organization, placed on the injured list before that series in Peoria. He is no longer with the team, and so the Lumber Kings are now going to be playing with an active roster of 24 when they meet the Burlington Bees, the single-A affiliate for the Los Angeles Angels, on Wednesday, August 14th, when this episode will be coming out. The Lumber Kings have seen some very impressive wins over their current four-game stretch, which comes off the heels of a seven-game losing streak, which was their longest of the season. It did feature a four-game series sweep at the hands of the Bloyd Snappers, also seeing two consecutive losses down at Really a house of horrors for the Lumber Kings at Modern Woodman Park. One thing we did want to briefly touch on, because when the Lumber Kings had beaten the River Bandits on Friday night at Modern Woodman Park in Davenport, Iowa, that was their first nine-inning win in that ballpark since 2017. 
as we said, a house of horrors, not just this season, but last year when the Lumber Kings had gone 0-6 there, their only other win this season at Modern Woodman Park had been the tail end of a doubleheader back in April. So they were at least able to get that done, and that started the winning streak the Lumber Kings are currently on. But the single-A affiliate for the Houston Astros, Quad Cities River Bandits, as we've touched on too, one of a very impressive teams in this league. They were the first half Western Division winners in the Midwest League, and they'll be back in the playoffs. They'll be in the first round matching up against the Cedar Rapids Colonels, which right now the Lumber Kings hoping to make the playoffs in the second half. If the season were to end today, they'd be matching up with the Kane County Cougars as a division winner, and that will mean a very important four-game series. Just looking ahead a bit for the Lumber Kings as they go down the home stretch in the 2019 season, a four-game series in Kane County in the suburbs of Chicago from August 17th through the 20th. It'll probably be the deciding factor in this division race as Lumber Kings wind down their regular season. And we did want to touch back on the win for the Lumber Kings on Monday afternoon in Peoria. Now, we'll probably not stop talking about it for the rest of this season because of all the impressive numbers. I think they call them video game numbers. Well, these were career highs for some guys. And we touched on it a bit with Peyton Burdick and his monster game that included a couple of home runs, but six RBIs. It was a career high for Peyton Burdick, also a season high for a Lumber King this season. Additionally, the Lumber Kings inserting Thomas Jones, a third-round pick for the Miami Marlins in the 2016 draft, to the top of the order in that game. And Jones, he was really a catalyst in a lot of those rallies for the Lumber Kings. He had three hits early on in that game, all factoring into runs scored. At the end of the day, had four hits to set a professional career high. It included two doubles and two runs scored. Thomas Jones not to be lost in what was an offensive explosion that just came on the heels of another dominant pitching performance from George Soriano. He's had such an interesting season for the Lumber Kings and their starting rotation. He's had their only complete game shutout of the season. It was against the Beloit Snappers at Pullman Field, and Soriano was part of the fifth shutout win of the season for the Lumber Kings. Now, he's had an interesting season, and why we say that is because he was so good in the month of April. In fact, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better pitcher in all of minor league baseball, just statistically, than George Soriano had a 0.79 earned run average in the month of April. Unfortunately, he backed that up in the month of May with what was probably the worst month of his professional career as Soriano had an ERA that was over nine for the month of May. Now that would change. June would be a lot better a month of an ERA in that month of around three, and that was the case again in July, and certainly coming back to better things here in the month of August. Now one of the odd things that we made note of on the broadcast for George in that start in Peoria was the radar gun because Soriano, he's got an electric fastball at times, but usually we've seen it at between 92 and 93. Occasionally he'll pop it out to, 90, or to 94 or 95, and that's where he was around the other day in Peoria. So we're thinking, oh, Georgie's got the fastball up to a 95, which he was consistently hitting. One point in that game, the radar gun flashed 100. Soriano took off his hat and kind of stared at the radar gun for a little bit. Now, it didn't happen again, and we don't know if it was just a fluke of the equipment that was out in Peoria, but we did want to pass along that a 100-mile-per-hour fastball for a brief second is at least what it was flashed on the scoreboard as was thrown by a Lumber King. It was a pretty impressive outing from Soriano. 
Soriano. He also didn't allow the first base runner against him until the fifth inning. Now he's then backed up by Cam Baird, who had two shutout innings to complete the Lumber Kings' fifth shutout win of the season. It is tied for the third fewest in the Midwest League, but a truly dominant performance when you factor in Burdick's home runs and RBIs. Thomas Jones' four hits and George Soriano's and Cam Baird's really just suffocating pitching against the Chiefs to cap off to cap off what was a very impressive series sweep against the Chiefs. Now it was interesting because of what it meant for the Lumber Kings despite them dropping two out of three to the River Bandits to begin that road trip. They ended the trip with a rather impressive mark. They'd gone four and two. So they now are in second place of the Kane County Cougars all on their own. Four games back in the wild card, a three-game lead on the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. As we mentioned, that'll mean for some interesting series. We touched on the four-game set in Kane County, which will be August 17th through the 20th, while the Wisconsin Tim Brattlers will also meet the Lumber Kings one final time. It will be in Clinton at Nelson Court Field Saturday, August 24th through Tuesday, August 27th, a four-game set which... With the way that that is looking for the Lumber Kings at the end of the 2019 season could very well be the moment in which we find out exactly who will become the wild card in the second half. Now, we also wanted to touch on a promotion that will be coming up here at the ballpark. We don't usually do this, but because the bobbleheads are oh so important for fans in minor league baseball, we wanted to mention the fact that we will be having the last 30-game winner in the Major League Baseball season, Denny McClain come to the ballpark on Friday, August 16th. It'll be interesting to see Denny because, well, he was a former Clinton baseball player in the 1962 season. He was with the Clinton Seasox back when he was a White Sox farmhand. That's right, baseball fans, a former White Sox farmhand before he was eventually traded over into the Tigers organization where he would have all of his success with his back-to-back Cy Youngs and MVP in 1968 and, of course, those 30 wins that went along with a World Series title. So we'll be having a Denny McClain bobblehead night at the ballpark on Friday, August 16th. McClain will also be on hand as well to take pictures and sign autographs, and who knows, maybe we'll have to get him onto the broadcast side of things, which is where we will shamelessly plug our broadcast. Of course, you can listen to all Lumber Kings games in the 2019 season with yours truly, Eric Ose, on the call on 100.3 FM WCCI for those of you that are in the broadcast range. For those of you that are outside the broadcast range, you can listen to all Lumber Kings games online via the TuneIn Radio app at LumberKings.com. I want to give a big thanks to our guest today, Cameron Meisner, for taking some time to talk with us on our 20th episode of A-Ball. And, of course, thanks to the listeners out there as well for letting us get this far, episode number 20. That's a milestone. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We hope to see you out at the ballpark some point this summer. And if not, you can, of course, hear us on the broadcast side of things. We'll talk to you next week with episode number 21 of A-Ball with Eric Ghost.